Sorry, that was the song I wanted to start on. I'll play the song you wanted to start the show off with. I, I apologize about that. Where's all my soul, sisters? Let me hear your flow, sisters. Hey, sister, go, sister, soul, sister, flow, sister. Oh. Hey, Let me pull up my pants. <laughs> you have pants? Oh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Gentlemen's Dojo. Oh, it feels so good. You've been asking me for weeks to play this I have. intro song. I and have. I finally came through. Yep. You you work out to this, right? I love this song. I do work out to this song. Yeah. I do crunches. <laughs> you squat to this song, right? It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Little Lady Marmalade. Yes. Love this tune. Thank you for finally playing it in my honor. You got it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're my co-host. I want to make you happy. So good to be back at the dojo. Um, feels good. Feels real good. Feels good. Incredibly good. Well, I got to tell you, Stephen, we're yeah. almost hitting 100 episodes. Isn't that hard to believe? I, I can't believe it. I know, right? We started I almost quit, this thing. I almost quit twice. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, remember I told you? I was like, I don't know if I... And you're like, yeah, you can just call in, we, you know, whatever. But oh, I, I remember that, but... but one time you did because you were just getting too busy. Yeah. The other time was when I think you got mad at me. No, no, no. Oh, I that never got. No, uh, I, I, that happens once a month. Oh, okay. Once an episode. I we were we were in Okinawa and I did that thing behind you on stage and I think you got oh. mad at me. And I was then, never gonna quit the podcast oh. because of that. I'm not a. Oh. Not well, a I, was, I was like, I realized you had nothing much else going on, so you needed this. You need this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I told you yeah. I was quitting, you would beg, beg me to stay. No. Yes. No. You you wouldn't beg me to stay. No, this is one less lunch I have to buy in, over the course of a week. <laughs> Are we going um, out after this? Welcome back to the Gentleman's Dojo. Thanks to all that came out to the Hollywood Improv last weekend. What a fun time. So great. What a great time. And this weekend, we'll be at the slow. D.C. It was draft slow. house. It was Fuck off. Oh, it was. We'll, we'll be at the D.C. draft house. I didn't realize there was a curtain that separated the front section from the back section. There's that curtain, and then there's another curtain that separates the front section from that middle section, so they were bringing in sheets all over the place. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. How are you? Wonderful. So today on the podcast, we're very excited to have uh, a gentleman on the uh, oh yeah on the air with us. Uh, I he I, well I'll, I'll wait until he get, he gets on the air here and we could talk about it. Yeah, a buddy of yours from New York, correct? You've known yeah, this guy for a long, long time. Started with him and a good crew out of New York City. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, he's one of those guys that like, you know, started off in stand up and then took the writing route. And I yeah. just thought, geez, this guy is so goddamn funny. Really clever jokes. And then obviously, there's some guys like that that do less stand up as the years go on and just get caught up in that. Uh, in the writer's room, and yeah. been very, very successful with it as well. Well, it's funny because he has done stuff with the Family Guy. and when The we Family had, Guy? Family Guy. And when yeah. we had Julius Sharp on, he kind of went that same route. Like, he admits that maybe he wasn't the strongest stand-up, so he started submitting writing samples to the Craig Kilborn show. Yep. Kind of got his legs that way, mm-hmm. and he's now a successful writer, TV producer here in Hollywood. So it's like, it's interesting that John kind of took that same approach. Yeah, are you going to start... Submitting writing packets anywhere? I'm thinking about it. Uh, Well, by the way, whenever I give you my direct TV login so you can watch the NHL games, you are literally swinging from my nuts. Because you you got me that box. Yes. I got it. I thought this is great. I canceled my cable. I can watch anything. It breaks. It did. And now it's been eight months since you've had it. And mine's 
working like a champ. Great. I'm I'm happy for you. I got to tell you. Mine doesn't work at all. If you if you don't own a bootleg fire stick, <laughs> you are missing out on some of the best things ever. Uh, yeah, it's mine, the greatest. Well, I'm glad it works. You get yeah, all yeah. the movies and the TV all shows, the movies, all the stuff. All the sports. It all works. Yeah, I got to tell you, I don't even like sports, and I just watch it because I feel like. Why I'm, do you still have cable then? Uh, I will get well because I'm wealthy. Oh, wealthy! <laughs> Didn't your landlord just kick you out? <laughs> You're looking a for a relocation place. fee. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you consider they, wealthy—a relocation they... <laughs> fee. By the way, instead of finding work every week, I'm just going to make it my plan to just keep getting evicted from apartments. Evicted from. Yeah. <laughs> That's my well, goal. Well, here we go. Yes. Uh we're going to welcome to the gentleman's dojo. I love it. Great comedian, talented writer, comedian extraordinaire, Mr. John Viner. John, there thanks for is. joining us, buddy. Hi. <laughs> I can tell oh, you're yeah. just reeking of enthusiasm. Thanks oh, for, he loves it. <laughs> thanks for taking no, the time, buddy. I'm just buddy. glad I got through. Yeah, of <laughs> course. Thank you so much. I was telling Gary uh, before. By the way, I don't know if you know Gary Cannon. Gary Cannon is the co-host here, and he does the audience warm-up at, uh, at Conan. But he's seen you at the Improv, and he was citing one of your jokes. Yes, and, John, yeah. I was citing one of your jokes because I remember seeing you a while ago, and you had a joke where somebody asked you, how you got how you got cross town so quickly, and you said you used fountain. Yeah, I stole the old uh, is it a Betty Davis line. Is that what it was? Yeah, I think so. But that was that was the line, right? Somebody asked you how you yes, got here yes, so quickly, yes. and you said you took fountain. Way to start yes. off the way to kick it off, Gary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrible way to kick <laughs> off the yeah. fucking interview. Jesus. No, yeah. but I, I, you know what? I'm I'm happy that, to be remembered, even if it's a line that, that I was borrowing. I mean, I was I was doing it with a, a wink and a nod that. that Oh, I didn't see a wink and a nod after that joke. <laughs> Gary, shut the fuck up. Uh, Welcome, John. Yeah, Viner. I, I like to make references that not everybody gets, and I can say, well, oh, I, it wasn't stealing. I did a wink and a nod. I just did it. <laughs> my but you, you started, obviously, in New York. Would, would it be safe to assume most people that do know you and are, are fans of your work know you more from writing. Is that correct? Is that fair to say? Because it seems like I, I used to see you all the time at all the clubs in, in uh, New York City, and that's definitely tapered off. I think the last time I saw you was maybe a year or two ago at the at the Improv. Yeah, I, I, I think once you just become a writer and someone actually pays you money for your jokes, then every time you come up with a joke, you're like, I could be funny on stage or I could eat. So <laughs> right. I feel like... I feel like that transition happened, and it happens to a lot of people. But yes, I, 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 you know, I was actually in 2004. I was a new face at uh, in Montreal, and I was all excited about, you know, pursuing stand-up and acting and all that. And then just coincidentally, I got hired on Family Guy, and so suddenly I became known as a writer and and put my focus into that. So I mean, I, I feel very, you know, fortunate that the show is so much fun and it's been on forever, and I get to do voices on it. So I kind of get to do stand-up in some way. Like, I actually was able to, to take some of my stand-up jokes and put them in the show, so. <laughs> so, so John, let's back up a second. How do you how do you get the job at Family Guy? I mean, that's pretty amazing. We, we actually had uh, Julia Sharp on a couple of weeks ago. He's great. Oh, yeah. He's hysterical. Uh, with yeah, original we, jokes. <clears throat> with original jokes. Yeah, he doesn't, doesn't he steal anything. Jokes. He doesn't have to steal. <laughs> uh, why I no longer do stand <laughs> But how do you get that job? Um, how does so, that happen? How did I get? Oh, um, well, let's see. I had uh, I was friends with uh, Alex Salkin and Wellesley Wild, who had worked with Seth, and so I, I got to know Seth socially when Family Guy had been canceled. And <clears throat> sorry to clear my throat, I I don't take care of myself. <laughs> and I uh, <clears throat> there we go. Now I'm better. 
I'm a voice guy. What do you do? I clear my throat constantly. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, I, I, I got to meet Seth and, and hang out with him and sort of, you know, I, I think our comedy senses clicked. And then when he was uh, sort of booting up uh, uh, American Dad and then also bringing back Family Guy, I asked him if he'd be willing to read something and said, sure. So when he read my stuff, I, I think that he, he really liked it. And so he offered me a job. But it was one of those things of, like, I was pursuing something else and and at the same time, like found myself finally going. I'd love to write. I mean, I, I mean, Steve, Steve is doing both. He has your own show. You know what it's like. Yeah. Right. Was it was it a difficult you. transition though for you to to? I, I mean, when when's the last time you done you've done stand up? You know, I've been on stage, but I haven't done like straight stand up in a while. Was it? Yeah, a, it's a neat. My point was: Sorry. was it a difficult transition to? Or was it just one of those things where you took the writing gig and you thought you'd get back to stand-up, and as the time went on, you just kind of were like, "All right, I'm I'm just writing and I'm happy doing this." Yes, I think that's I think that's what happens. Uh, you know, I, for me, stand-up was always a way to try to to create a comedic dynamic with an audience and get jokes out there. But the truth is, like, I I always had more fun in sketch because you know the, the you're I mean the great thing about stand-up and and you do it very well is is you're creating a dialogue where the other person's not talking and, and that's fun because you're, you're, the other person is laughing, but in a way that you're, you're eliciting ideas from them that subconsciously so you're in agreement or you're, you're leading them into, you know, different pictures. But for me, I actually, I just like to play with other people. So the fun of moving into a writer's room was being able to sort of discuss comedy and, you know, and create it with people from different viewpoints um, and at the same time, I, the, the, the fun, or I, I think the skill set of being a stand-up is so important because your ear gets tuned to like, that's not going to make somebody laugh. But he, just even from sitting in the room for years, just watching everybody else, you're like, oh, that cadence won't make people laugh, but that will. Right. And I, that's like a skill that you, you, it's sort of unteachable. It's just, it's one that you have to sort of suffer through years of being around stand-up. How, how, how amazing is it too, that you, you, met Seth MacFarlane at that moment in time and then got to be part of almost like this reboot of Family Guy, like Family Guy 2.0. What, what, what is it that you and like that, like what, what did you bring to the table in terms of contributing to that next wave of this show becoming just this monster, monster hit? What did I contribute? Wow. Uh, well, I won't take any credit for its success. I mean, I, I, you know, I think I think it was canceled prematurely, and and that's just because you know people on the other side of the business act differently than we do. But um, I, I think what was what was a a good thing in the reboot was I, I think for Seth that the shackles sort of came off. It was like, all right, you know what, you came asking me to do this, whereas now let's make the show we want to make, right, and do the jokes we want to do because you know you've canceled us a couple times now. You know, if you're asking us to do this, we'll do it on our terms. And so, you know, Seth was was the leader down that path, saying, "Let's push envelopes." And and you know, and a lot of the funniest stuff from those you know first three seasons back were just directly from Seth. But you know, I, I think the fact that you know Alec and Seth and Wellesley and I and and Patrick Megan and a bunch of other people who came on in the the new iteration, we were all you know within like ten to twelve months in age, so we had you know, your commonality of references. So it just, it makes the flow so much easier when you're, you know, you're all speaking the same language. 
John, do you feel pressure? Because I, I, I know writers who work at late night shows feel the pressure every day to stay relevant, be creative, stay ahead of the ball. Did you feel a ton of pressure being a writer on that show and thinking that every week was your last week? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I mean, I still feel that way. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, definitely for a long time. And, and you know, you just, you, you take it personally. I, you know, I, I think that a bad set on stage, it feels, you know, much stronger than 10 good sets in a row. So it's that same kind of thing of like you, if you come in to pitch a, a, an area and you pitch five and they all die, you know, you get sent back out and you're, you want to cry because you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm terrible. And I mean, we're, we're not in this business cause we were hugged enough. So right. when you get, in, <laughs> when you get in a situation where you're looking for a hug and instead you get a slap, you're like, Oh, I, I, I gotta, I gotta be better. I, I'm fat and ugly. Um, so yeah, I mean, there definitely is, is that level, but I, you know, I, I mean, this is a great group of people and, and, you know, I, I think that that was probably not the concern, you know, that, but it was, it was just how you deal with your, you know, and also, I mean, I'm coming off of being on the road with uh, Jeff Nichols in a van where he's driving with the wrong foot and the other foot's on the, the dashboard. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and getting paid like $50 a gig because he spent all the money. So it's like, you just, as soon as you get a real gig, you're like, oh my God, I need, I need to do whatever it takes. So yeah, to the point I was saying before, it's like, whenever you have a joke, you know, being on stage is one thing, but I think you just go, oh, I have this joke and I, I want the world to hear it. And and the amazing thing about Family Guy is, you know, I used to do a Robert Loja joke that I think I probably performed in front of, you know, 1,200 people total over five years. And, you know, you put it on camera and suddenly, <laughs> you know, that's millions of people. And then, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, people are watching on YouTube. So you, you are reaching a giant audience. And and it feels it feels really good, even though you miss the immediacy of like telling a joke and hearing laughter. Can you do that joke for us, <laughs> Gary? Shut... Why? I'd love to hear it. <laughs> shut up. You know the joke. Uh, by the way, I the minute you say that, I I immediately flash back to like 1998 stand up New York. It's 11:15. You're on stage in in khakis, and you had just yes. done your Sean Connery joke about Sean Connery <laughs> saying car keys and carcass and khakis, and then this Robert Loja joke. And I remember it's like, oh, as in, oh, my God, it's Robert Loja. <laughs> <laughs> and it just goes on and on. It's, it's great. Well, it's just Robert Loja being angry that somebody, somebody would dare ask him how to spell his <laughs> yeah. name. Like, how would you not know who I am? Right. <laughs> That's R as in Robert Loja. O as in, oh, my God, I'm talking to Robert Loja. And I would do the entire name. Um, um, and... And then he came in to, to record it, and and he, you know, I find him scary, but he was like super nice, and so he had to be like, no, you know how you're you're scary, no, I'm I'm a very friendly guy, I like wine and peaches. But, um, but it's got to be it's this great feeling because for as many ideas that get shot down, you know, you have this show that is just ingrained in our history that anytime you turn it on, there's this possibility that something you wrote is now going to be conveyed by one of the characters on the show. It's got That's got to be amazing. Yeah, no, it's, it feels great. I mean, there's actually, I would say almost in an, in an opposite way, you know, I, a, a lot of times you don't remember what, you just remember being there in the room and you may have pitched the joke, but because it's such a communal process, you just remember, you know, laughing and that, that, that 
you know, because sometimes jokes will get built by an entire room and then you come in and pitch it to the main room and the main room will make a couple changes. So by the end, it's not yours whole cloth, but the end result feels good that you are a part of it. And, you know, and it, and it, I, I agree. It does. It makes, it makes you feel good, but it's, it's more of like a group pride than like, Hey, look what I did. Were you guys, were you guys surprised at the success in the aftermath of it being canceled then you guys come back. You guys are like the new crew, like new blood that's coming in with Seth. And, you you know, the show comes back and all of a sudden it's just like this huge, huge deal. I mean, the ratings were through the roof. And were you guys at all surprised at how much the show was loved in terms of it coming back? Or it's got to be it's got to be a great feeling. I imagine going back in that writer's room because so many of these writer's rooms, you're just sitting there and it's like you alluded earlier. You're just hoping to God you still get asked back by the network or you're going to come back or you have security for another six months. You you know, you can pay your rent or whatever it is. But when, when you saw the numbers you guys were putting up, I mean, were you all just like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah, no, it was, it was obviously it felt great. And we were, we were happy that, that it was welcomed back uh, in such a, a way. But, but on top of that, you know, the, we did a series of live performances where the cast would get on stage and, and Seth was kind enough to let me read the stage directions and do a couple like incidental parts. But to see, like we even did one at Carnegie Hall like 10 years ago, and to see like droves of fans come out and, and really be so connected, mm-hmm. you know, it's because you just, you don't, you don't really get that. And, and, and that was when you, we realized even, even in 2004 when we were, we were brought back, they did a staged reading that I was a part of, and I and that that was when I just started on the show, and I was like, oh, these are real fans. Like these are people who are connecting to something. They're not casual fans, and uh, you know, it, it's been it's been great to be a part of. I want to ask you this um, because obviously working with Seth, you ventured off, you did other things as well. What is it that made Ted the first film work extremely well, and Ted the 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 sequel? Not not do as well. What what contributed to the success, and what contributed to maybe the second one not being as successful? Well, I mean, the obvious answer is less money came in. I guess. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, first of all, no one's ever at fault when things don't go well. You know, (laughs) I don't know. Except somebody has to be blamed. Uh, You know, I, I I think that the the second film. If I, I mean, if you're asking my opinion, yeah, I, I think I think that it was, and I and I, I think it was less of a romp, you know, and more of like a social commentary, mm-hmm. and so that there were you know courtroom scenes and and some other things that that kind of became a of, of a more serious focus, and you know I think possibly the fans just wanted to have their raunchy teddy bear who you know smokes pot and does drugs and and bangs hookers instead of loves his wife and and wants to have a kid and has to fight in court for his rights. But, you know, having said that, I don't think that makes for a better film or not. And, and you, I never understand why things work or don't work, but I, right. I just, you know, I, I mean, it, it's, it's probably less likely now that there'll be a third because of, of the, you know, I mean, it's also a perceived unsuccessful movie that probably made over $200 million. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's also the craziness of this business, but. And then working with that camp, I know I know you're so ingrained with with all those guys. Are there, I mean, are you gonna venture off and do your own thing, or you got a good thing going with these guys, and why not ride it out until the into the sunset? You know, what what is your mindset? 
No, you know, I, I, I've been very thankful that they've let me be part of this, you know, for so long. And also, like, I'm, I'm not really full time at Family Guy anymore because I'm pursuing other things. And, you know, I had a, a pilot at YouTube Red last year that we wrote but didn't, didn't actually get made. And I'm just, I'm, I'm always excited to not necessarily have my name be, you know, the, the one that's out there on the shingle, but it's, it's more just trying to get in rooms with different people, with different viewpoints, with different comedy. I mean, it's, it's, it's silly to say, but it's like the, the fun, it's the fun of this job is, is sort of meeting other people and, and watching them in, in, in the same way as stand up where you're like, how the hell did that person tell a joke that I just told an hour ago that was terrible and they made it funny. Right. You know, and you, and you just start going, Oh, so, or if I, if I come into a scene, how would I look at it? You know, how a character should behave and someone will have a take and you're like, wow. You know, and, and you, you kind of not steal, but you, you want to like sort of, cause you can't steal, but like just say, okay, what is that psychological process? And it, and it, you know, it builds out your own comedy. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's, it's really fun to be able to do, to sit in a room with some of the funniest people you, you've ever met and just say, this is our job. And, and it is a job. I mean, you're, you're working long hours sometimes, but, but I, I just like the process of it, it being a group of people. So as long as it's, it's fun and family guy, I, I mean, I'm, I'd like to stay as long as they'll keep me. When you, John, when you got family guy, did you feel like when you got hired for that gig, did you feel like, Oh wow. Like I finally kind of made it. Like I, I really feel like now I'm part of Hollywood, so to speak. Uh, I felt it, but then my dad corrected me. <laughs> <laughs> he brought you back down. Yeah, yeah. You're working for a cartoon for children, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, no. I, I, you know, honestly, the, the <laughs> I hate to say it this way, but I, I think there's there's no lesser feeling than I mean, outside of being unemployed, like writers are treated very well in Hollywood when it's their project, but like. You never get invited to red carpet events. Like if you're not the face of something, if you're just in the the mines, the the business doesn't really care about you that much, or you know, unless you're like a name. So it felt great to be part of the machine and everything. But you, but I don't think I don't think you ever get the welcome to Hollywood. I mean, I could ask Steve because you you've had this experience, and it's like I I you know I, I aspired to what to what you did, and I I was very impressed that you were able to make it happen. It's and then you're just like. Hey, I've arrived, and then and then you sort of have to keep reintroducing yourself, and then you actually have to do a lot of legwork to to keep it going, because you know the the attention of this business moves so quickly. Yeah, that's certainly you still know? the case for me, and it was even when the show was on the air. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I I, I but, do want to ask you, John, because you worked. Sorry, on... I didn't mean to make it about you. I just was, you know. I'm, I'm... <laughs> no, no, no. I appreciate that. But the difference, John, is that your show is successful. <laughs> Shut so, the fuck up. Yeah. Um, no, you worked on you worked on Dads as well, which which was a multicam that Seth did. What what did you enjoy about the experience of going from the you know the 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 cartoon of Family Guy to going in front of a live studio audience? What is what was the uh, what were the nuances that 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 happened throughout the course of your experience that you appreciated in, in working on a multicam? Well, I really missed the stand up feel so having having a live audience is great and also having kind of a time pressure uh you know it, it feels it feels good it gets your your adrenaline going to know that like we are shooting this now and this has to happen and in a week this is going to be on television somewhere so whereas in the animation you know we i might come up with an idea now that won't be on air for a year and a half right and there'll be multiple times during the year where we'll you know see it in different phases so 
so you know when something goes wrong in animation it's kind of completely our fault because we've had so many chances to catch it whereas when you're making a live show it's i i, I just i really enjoyed the energy of the audience the energy of of the actors of just of the moment of, of having it happen live uh, so, what is it and and also the the fact that you have a cast that you can actually draw stuff from and write towards what is it with because I remember when Dad's was premiering, there was some flack for like quote unquote a deemed racist joke. And then when you guys did the Academy Awards, um, you know there was uh, you know it was deemed inappropriate because the song about you know the boobs, uh, you know yeah. we, we saw your tits and stuff. Why is it that people are not offended? when there is a cartoon character expressing the same joke, but if it's a human entity presenting the joke, it's the same guy, same sense of humor, you know what's coming out. Why is it that maybe the press or the industry feels this need to be offended by an actual human being saying the joke as opposed to a cartoon character? Um, well, I think, you know, the people at Charlie Hebdo would disagree with you. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think in this case, it, it really is that, that, you know, the, the press had been gunning for Seth and, and found a, a weakness because I remember reading all this press and then getting on a plane and yes, there was a, uh, there was a TV screen in the back of the headset in front of me. So I was able to watch TV. That's, <laughs> that's the kind of, I am, I have middle seat coach money, that's a, <laughs> uh, but, I, but I remember watching like some cartoon network. We're not cartoon, like, so it was an ABC family show mm -hmm. and there was, I, I forgot what it was, but basically some Asian character saw a large lizard and said, Oh no, Godzilla. And I was like, <laughs> that's okay. But the fact right. that we, you know, I mean, it's, I think it comes down to, like, you know, two, two broke girls is constantly offensive, you know, and, and, and racist, but they're not on the, you know, for some reason, I don't know. I, 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 I'm trying to be funny, but I'm just saying, like, you know, <laughs> like, like my, my father would, would wash my mouth out with soap for lying and vote for Trump at the same time. It's like, well, well, so some lying is good. It's like, well, no, it, it's who it's, who's doing the lie. So, you know, I, I think that, that I think you can get away with a lot more with cartoons and that's true, but you know, you generally get away with it because you're putting it in a different context. So if you're going to do hypothetically an Asian joke, you might not set it up the same way, or you'd make it such hyperbole that you're actually pointing fun in a very literal way of the racism behind it. Right. If that makes any sense. And I think that's what family guy. And, and, and even, I think if you, if you looked at that dad's episode, the whole point of it was this woman who was saying, "I this is humiliating to do this, and to, to dress up like a, an Asian schoolgirl to try to impress, you know, Asian businessmen." And she, she's, you know, we're trying to give her power in the scene, but just because that happened, they they found something that they could latch onto. Right, they're looking at the micro and maybe not the macro of the episode, but yeah, just they want they they want to have a problem, you know, they want to yeah. lock her up. So if you can just say. You know, <laughs> You know, if you can find one thing wrong, then then you know you you've done your your task. But I mean, it was unfortunate because I think Dad's was not a bad show and actually had a very warm comedic sense and heart. You know, yeah. And, and and so it it kind of got short shrifted because it didn't get the chance that it could have. And and you know, and our cast was so wonderful and and you know, like Seth Green and Giovanni Ortiz. Yeah. And, and then getting to work with Martin Mull and Peter Riegert and Brenda and. I mean, like everybody on the show is was wonderful. 
But it's so hard in today's age because if you're not producing numbers right away for those sitcoms, I mean, look at Last Man Standing. That was a show that was doing well, and they pulled that off the air. Yeah, I never, you never understand what the real, the real. I mean, I was working right. on a show called The Millers, and uh, that was with Will Arnett, right? Yeah. And and he, you know, like I, I came on, I came on. I was there for like seven weeks or so, and and the first episode that I worked on was the week before like the week before that it got canceled so nothing i worked on ever made air but i got to watch them the show get better for eight weeks that they weren't even airing and then they canceled it because the numbers had come down and and you're like but this is season two you've already you're you're already in you know 45 episodes why not see it through a little longer and yeah i'm sure that there's some chart of why things make money or don't make money but it's I, I just, I, you never understand the math, and sometimes it's just a personality thing where it's, you know, we, on dads, we would sometimes get better numbers than New Girl or, or Mindy Project. You know, maybe we didn't do better than New Girl, but I, I know we did better than Mindy some way. It's like we're doing better numbers, and they're canceling us and renewing those other shows. And, and sometimes you go, okay, well, that's just because you feel like that's, that our show wasn't the brand you wanted to put out there. Right. It's it, it's interesting just to, to just kind of see the whole dynamic. What just a, a quick thought, what are some of your favorite family guy episodes ever? Um what about I I always love the Star Wars one. Um Oh, that's great. The, the last one we got a little lazy. Um or we just sort of ran, ran out of jokes. And and the movie wasn't as much fun. Uh I I like the the episode where Peter has the gay gene. I think that's fun. You know, I <laughs> I, I like the the one that I think uh, Julia Sharp wrote, which was uh, in Harmony's Way, where where Peter and Quagmire realize that they they do good harmonies together, and uh, they sing a lot of songs. Um, do you remember that one? Maybe you don't. I yeah, do. Yeah, I yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I mean, there, there's so many now. It's 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 one of those things. That, like when I started, because I when I started out, I'd be like, oh, Family Guy, you know, and people like, yeah, nine o'clock on on Sunday nights and now it's just like is that still on? And it's like yeah it's still on but like everybody finds their entertainment through Hulu or something else and so I don't like I don't know if people are you know I think they enjoy it but it's just it's so ubiquitous that like and, and it's not serialized so you can catch anything out of order yeah you know before I think there was like you, you know we you could just have to wait to see it <laughs> and and John do you miss doing stand-up do you wish you could do more stand-up if you had the time uh you know I I feel like I, you know, you go through your old jokes and you're like, I can't do those jokes anymore. But then I, I start thinking, who who do I need to be on stage and why do I have to get up and tell these things? I mean, I, I, the, the the biggest killer to my career is I I always sit down and go, all right, if I'm going to write a movie, why does it need to be made? Why do these people have to work hard on it? Like, what? How do I make? How how is this making the world better in some way by me doing it? And so. It's and I'm not saying like even in a in like you know a purely like I'm a good person. It's just like I, like I I don't know if anyone sits down and goes, guys, I'm sorry I can't go out tonight because fist fight has to get written. <laughs> you know, just, the world needs this. Viner, you definitely sound to me like Happy Madison material. I, I <laughs> definitely think so. Um, well, we cannot thank you enough yes. for taking the time to to call in today. Uh, look, I've always been. When I started off in New York, you know, I always looked up to you. I thought you were one of the guys, especially at Stand Up New York, in that isolated club where I, where I started. I'd see you all the time, and Alec and Zach would come in every now and then, and Hannes. And 
I just love love the hell out of watching you, and I'm so glad for your success. And it was so glad to, uh, so so awesome to get to spend time with you and talk today. And we could have asked a million Family Guy questions, wow. but we don't want to fan out on you. But we wanted to yeah. hear about all those other things. As we're heading towards the finish line, what are you currently working on now, uh, and what do you hope to see come to fruition? You know, I I'm writing a book uh, that's a travel a fake travelogue, <laughs> and I'm. I'm excited for it to come to, to fruition. I, I don't know if it if it would even make anyone happy but me. But uh, right. you know, I, I think there's just so many times that you know you you start out in pilot season and you're you're saying I have this great idea. It's about this you know this this guy who's up against it and blah blah blah. And by the end, it's two broke girls. And you know, it's like I have the single cam idea. It's a dark you know. So so by the end, you begin to hate your own ideas. So I'm trying to sort of go back to just sitting in a room and not showing anything anyone and just if i like it um then maybe at the end i'll show it to people nice i know that doesn't sound exciting but i'm 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 finally enjoying something because when you don't get notes it really feels good and i always like to ask uh, john and, and and whatever the answer is we just want you to be honest when you first kind of gained success started getting some nice money coming in what was the first splurge what was the uh the first kind of nice thing you bought for yourself i went out and bought how many was it i think i bought like eight 12 packs of different sodas and lined them up in my fridge <laughs> so that, that like you could have any soda you wanted it might have even been more than that like cause I, I i threw in i had like rc and i just like i was like i'm gonna have just that like i had i've been eating hot hot pockets for so long i just was like i have a job i want to have one of those fridges that's just awesome it just looks like an eighth graders paradise right. like every yeah, kind of soda just, you can it's awesome man. cold sugar water yeah. everywhere <laughs> that's great that really that was i haven't thought about that but that really was my biggest I was like, that was you know the biggest what? splurge I, think I got this kind of money when when, <laughs> when steve finally made money he uh took his money and had his electricity turned back on okay well <laughs> hello thank you gary uh viner where can where can everybody follow you you're on twitter i'm on twitter at uh, my give up and if you like looking at mildly funny pictures i'm on instagram at my name awesome well dude thank you again so much Continued for calling success, in success john absolutely thank you john so much. yes thanks for having me on all right, pal. Be well. All the best to you. Take care, bud. John Viner. Thanks. Take care, guys. Such a nice guy. Funny dude. So I, many great family I guy wish episodes. He, I wish he was still doing stand-up, honestly, because he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was one of those guys. Who was yeah, I remember so seeing him at the funny. improv. So fucking That's funny. how I remembered that weird kind of one-off joke about taking Fountain. Yeah. It was just, I, just one of those things that just stuck to me. Really good guy. Good dude. Great guy. Family guy. Obviously, I don't think it'll ever get canceled. It'll probably go the way of the Simpsons. Simpsons I mean, just, is that how many years? 20? I mean, 30. 30 years. 30 years. Holy Re- shit. Dude, it was against, remember when it came out? It was against the Cosby show. Yeah. I mean, that's just how, it's amazing how long that show's been on and still relevant and still doing great. Well, I mean, when shows are funny, they can sustain more than three Here seasons. I would like to uh, promote my Twitter. It's at Canon Comedy. Um, whatever happened? <laughs> What's that? Thanks for everything, Stephen. Yeah. Thank you. At Canon Comedy? Yeah. At I'm Steve Live. I'm going to try to convince John to do stand-up again so I can go out and open for him. Shut up. He's got family So comedy. we'll be at the DC Draft House yes. this weekend together. Correct. And then I will be at the Just for Last Montreal Festival doing the Ethnic Show with Maz Gibrani and a bunch of other great comics. Gary, where can they find you on the road? I love this song. Okay. <laughs> uh, by the way, thank you for listening. Always. We appreciate you guys we listening. We always appreciate But it. we want to hear more from you guys because we come in, we do the shows. We don't know who's listening. We don't know who's listening. We, we don't, don't know, know who is listening. So we don't please, know. 
Hit us up on iTunes. Let us know. Leave a comment. Write a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you don't like about the show. Let us know who you'd like to hear on the show. Yes. We'll reach out. We'll make it happen. We love you guys. We thank you for listening. Gentlemen's Dojo. 